You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hi everyone, my name is Frank Rock and welcome to part one of the From the Hack Podcast preview of the 2021 Canadian Olympic Curling Trials. In part one, we chat with reigning Briar champion Brendan Botcher. We are also joined by Tanner Horgan, whose team was the last to qualify for the trials at the recent pre-trials in Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Matt Dunstone, who will skip the unofficial home team at this year's trials, also joins us in part one, as does 2006 Olympic champion Brad Gushu, who is looking for a second trip to the Olympics, this time with the team with whom he has won his three bronze titles. My first guest this week is reigning Briar champion Brendan Botcher, whose team recently earned a spot for Canada at the 2022 World Championships when they defeated teams from Mexico and Brazil in the America's Zone Challenge. Team Botcher is among the favorites heading into the trials, and it would not be a surprise to see them play deep into the playoffs in their bid to represent Canada at the Beijing Olympics. Brendan, your team recently had the honor of representing Canada at the America's Zone Challenge, where you qualified Canada for the 2022 World Championships in Las Vegas by defeating teams from Brazil and Mexico. It had to feel good to have the Canadian jersey on again and qualify Canada for the Worlds. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's pretty special to get to put the maple leaf on your back, and I think anytime you have the opportunity to do that, it's just a a really cool feeling. It's something I think we're all striving for. And yeah, I was definitely proud to do that again. Now, obviously you guys were the overwhelming favorites in that event, but is it safe to assume that you were mindful of making sure you didn't get caught giving up a big end and giving one of those two teams uh, a reason to believe that they could stick with you in any of the games you played? Of course. Yeah. Um, You know, with expectation comes some pressure. (laughs) And definitely the expectation was that we were going to get through that event. So there was a little bit of pressure on us to come in and perform. Um, I tried to impart that on my guys best we could, that we were going to have to go out there and really play our best if we wanted to win. And I was proud to say that uh, that we were able to do that that week. I think we played great um, and didn't leave much chance for either of the other two countries to catch us. Now, Brendan, it had to feel good to put the Maple Leaf on your backs again and perform in an event after the roller coaster that was the 2021 Worlds in Calgary. Yeah, you know, I, I thought even our world's experience down in Calgary was was amazing. It was a really good week for us. You know, a, a shot here or there, a, a game that maybe you let slip away and the week goes by pretty fast and all of a sudden it wasn't quite the result we wanted. But, you know, for our first time this foursome getting to a world championship, I thought we did excellent, you know, all things considered. Definitely wasn't a, a normal year <laughs> by any stretch. Um, so I was proud of how we hung together and, and did what we needed to do down there. Uh, but, you know, that said, it was nice to obviously put the maple leaf on our backs again, get another crack at uh, qualifying Canada for the Worlds. Uh, so that definitely felt good um, and gives us a bit of confidence here heading into the trials. Your team and several others uh, played some high-level, high-stress events much later into the spring and early summer than you would in any other season because of the pandemic and because of the bubble in Calgary. Did that impact the way your team was able to prepare for this season, seeing as the turnaround was much shorter than usual? Uh, Maybe a little bit. I think there was still a little bit of a COVID hangover uh, in the curling world, so not a lot of events wanted to get started. In in August and in September, there were still varying COVID restrictions, travel restrictions, so that kind of put a damper on the start of the season. 
Um, this year is always a little bit different because all the teams in the trials are trying to peak during the trials, whereas usually, you know, we're obviously trying to play a good fall, but we're trying to peak in and around the briar. So it's a bit different dynamic this year in general. And then I think this year as well got off to a got off to an interesting start just with a bunch of events still being canceled and having to play a little bit closer to home than maybe we would have in a normal year. As you just mentioned, Brendan, in an Olympic season, teams focus on peaking at the trials, which take place a few months before the Briar, which is when the top teams typically look to peak. How does that impact your preparation for the season? Did you guys start focusing on the current season a lot sooner in the offseason than you usually would? Yeah, so so definitely a lot of that planning and preparation and off-ice stuff can get taken care of through the summer, and we definitely utilize that this year as well. Um, Another thing I would say is usually we're playing quite a bit in the fall because we're trying to get as many points as we can because we're in this perpetual points race against all the other teams. This year, because we're already in the trials and we're already in Briar, we can prepare much differently this year than we have some of the other years. So it's allowed us to maybe not play quite as much as we would have other seasons, um, trying to be well-rested and well-prepared headed into the trials as opposed to playing as many games as we possibly can just to keep up in the points race. Now, your team qualified for and played in the 2017 trials in Ottawa. What were some of your key takeaways, Brendan, from that event four years ago that might serve you well in Saskatoon? Well, I definitely think the biggest uh, help we will get will be the experience we had winning the briar um that's um, before the trials anyways our, our biggest win to date i would say um it's the culmination of a lot of hard work from all of my guys and it really showed that we could beat uh, canada's best in the biggest stage and that's something we're going to try and replicate here this week um i think it's tough it's tough until you've won one of those really big events to know what it feels like to win. <laughs> and that sounds uh, a little cliche. We've all won uh, tournaments along the way to get here. Um, but there really is that extra little bit of pressure until you've won the first time. And then, then you realize what it feels like to win and you can reflect on that and hopefully, you know, get there again. So I think that'll be the biggest thing we can draw on that experience uh, the experience of going to Worlds and having a little bit of a grind and having to battle a little bit. Um, I think that's all good for our team if we can use it the right way. And ultimately, you know, I think there's a handful of teams that are plenty good enough to win the trials. <laughs> They're teams that have performed well the last four years. It's really going to come down to who can play their absolute best that week and who can be peaking and playing their absolute A-plus game on the final weekend. And I think that'll really be what pushes one team over the top. It's been a really good quadrennial for your team. How different are you as a team right now, Brandon, than you were four years ago heading into the trials in Ottawa? I I think we're a vastly different team. So four years ago, um, we were fresh off our first briar, a briar that um, frankly wasn't a a huge success. Uh, (laughs) You you dream your whole curling career of making it to a briar. We finally made it to a briar and had a rather underwhelming performance. Um, We had to battle through the pre-trials. So, you know, that was a whole different adventure. We were the ninth team to qualify out of nine for the trials. So in some ways we were the, the underdog as clean as it could be. Um, And we followed that up with, I'd say four pretty successful years. So there's not very many teams in curling that um, 
make it to five briars in a row, never mind four briar finals in a row. Um, and I think that's a lot of uh, hard work and a lot of experience and a lot of proud moments that we, we have behind us now. Um, we've also done well on the tour. We've won a handful of Grand Slams, a handful of tour events. I think we've performed consistently well for four years and really cemented ourselves in that top bracket of, of teams that I think have a chance. Um, and ultimately, you know, the quality of the field is so high that I don't think anyone's going into the trials expecting to win. I don't think anyone has a 50% chance of winning. I think there's, there's a bucket of teams that all can win depending on the day. And it's really going to come down to who can pull it all together, who can draw from some of those past experiences and ultimately play their best in the playoffs. Is it safe to say, Brendan, that everything you've experienced over the past four years, both good and bad, will serve your team well under the spotlight of the trials, which is an event that is quite the grind for all teams involved with no real weak opponents in the field? Yeah, I, I think it gives us um, it gives us some experience, definitely, to draw off of. You know, I think everyone made a, a big deal out of losing three Briar finals in a row. And personally, I can say, um, although in the moment it, it sucks i mean it sucks to give it your all and come up a little bit short but i was just so proud of myself and proud of the guys for making it back each year i thought each year we improved each year we played better each year we did the things we said we were going to do and then we just came up a little bit short um so you also have to focus on the positives a little bit i think that's important um and headed into the trials here you know finally breaking through and winning really validates the the we we can win in that moment when all the pressure is on the line we we know what that feels like we know how to play our best in that game and that's going to be something we're going to have to channel here this this upcoming week um the pressure that that is put on everyone at the trials i think is astronomical it's even higher than it is at the briar so you're really going to have to summon all that calmness and patience and and hopefully experience from some of those moments and and figure out how to play your best in a really high pressure situation now, at the end of the day, Brendan, what I think many curling fans seem to forget is that reaching four straight briar finals is quite the accomplishment, regardless of how many of those finals you actually won as a team. No, yeah, absolutely. And I, I would agree with you. Um, not that I'm really looking for <laughs> sympathy from anybody, but uh, it, it was uh, really a testament to a lot of hard work that we were able to keep getting back there. Another thing I think people don't always put into perspective is one game really doesn't define your curling season. It doesn't define your season at all. It can if you let it, I suppose, but we play 100 or 120 games a year, and a handful of them are, are big games. They're finals. They're, they're things we really want to win. And um, there were years there where we won a bunch of finals, where we finished top of the world in terms of points, where we won a bunch of grand slams, where we did a lot of amazing things. And as much as you want to focus on the, the bad losses sometimes i think it's also important to focus on some of the the real positives and some of the things you should take away um and, and try and put it in perspective a little bit um because if you always spend your time focusing on that one game you lost you're you're going to be pretty depressed because <laughs> there's always going to be one game in that category right so uh i i was proud of the guys like i say i think it takes a special group um, and a special team to be able to rally all that intensity and keep trying to get back and keep trying to improve. And that's definitely something we did. Um, and that's something we're going to have to continue to do because, you know, the, the teams in Canada and the teams around the world are only getting better and they're only putting in more uh, every year. 
And that's something that we're going to have to do, frankly, to to stay with the pack, not to get ahead anymore. So um, that's something we're going to have to focus on here this week. I think we definitely have to do all of our preparation headed into the trials. I really like where where we're at right now. Um, and And hopefully we can go out there and play our best. And not to put the cart before the horse here, Brendan, but if your team happens to win in Saskatoon, how much will the experience at the Men's Worlds last spring help your team prepare to represent Canada at the Olympics in Beijing? Our experience in Calgary was a little different than most. Um, We played a a hometown world championship without any fans. So frankly, whether it was in Canada or whether it was in China or whether it was on the moon really made not a pile of difference other than maybe we were a little more familiar with the hotel and the food that we were eating along the way. So although it was an amazing experience to put on a maple leaf and curl in a world championship, I think a lot of the experience that you would normally have in one of those kind of events, um, maybe we didn't get the full share of that week. So, you know, should we be successful and should we go on to the Olympics? That's something we're really going to have to reflect on, I think, and come up with, you know, what are some things that we think will be the same and what are some things we expect might be a little bit different. Um, it's, it's a little easier to play when there's not uh, 10,000 eyes watching you at all times. So I'm not sure yet what the situation is going to be in China. I'm not sure it's going to be a, a regular Olympics either. I, I think only Chinese nationals are going to be allowed to um, be in the venues. So typically at a, at a world championship or an Olympics, you have all your staff all your family all your friends everyone that's come over to watch you and support you and that's a dynamic that i don't think the winner of this trials is going to experience in beijing so i think you just got to take it uh, as it comes you've got to you can't dwell on what could have been or what the next event might look like you just have to prepare and, and hopefully you're the team that goes and then you got to make the most of it while you're there and finally, Brendan, I have a behind-the-scenes question for you. Teams typically have a routine that they like to follow for major events. Are you guys more of a hotel team or an Airbnb team? And, uh, you know, what will be your accommodations at the trials in Saskatoon? Uh, no, our team is strictly a hotel team. Um, I, I think that's an environment we're all really comfortable in, um, and that's something we're going we're gonna to continue with. I know some teams have been really successful renting a house or Airbnb or all of those things. I think it just comes down to the dynamic um, and we have a pretty comfortable dynamic in a hotel. So that's the direction we're going to stick with. My next guest is Tanner Horgan, whose team earned the final spot at this year's trials with a victory over Glenn Howard in the B final at the recent pre-trials in Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Horgan and his team seem ready to embrace the underdog role in Saskatoon and are looking forward to playing in their first trials. So Tanner, uh, Jonathan Buke and Scott Chadwick have both competed in the 2017 pre-trials as members of Team Bolts and uh, your teammates on the team currently this year. What did they share with you in the lead-up to the pre-trials to help you prepare for an event that is typically more stressful and intense than most events you'll play in in any given season? That's a good question. I, I'm not sure um, there was anything super specific to the pre-trials. I think it was more or less just a long process of throughout um, the summer, really, of just uh, um, getting us all ready for big events in general. I think um, we have all played in, like, the, the three of them have played in Briar, in the Briar before, and I've played in, in some junior nationals, and I think we're all used to that situation. I think it was more about 
just sharing some of the other wisdom that they have. And um, like the thing that really stood out to me was just how, um, how much work they've put into like the, the sports psych type stuff. And they're able to share a lot of what they learned from um, their sports psychologist. They were able to put me in touch with, with him as well. And um, I think that was, was a key factor in, in how we performed there and how comfortable we were uh, in that situation. Were you nervous at the beginning of the pre-trials, Tanner, and how long did it take you to find your rhythm, as it were? Yeah, I think um, I think it was about our fourth game. I think the first few games we played, um, we well, the, certainly the second game against Simmons and our third game against Robert, they came came down to the last uh, last shot, and um, there were some key misses in those games that allowed us to to come out on top in those games and we were still kind of and and everyone else was at that point too right but um we were just kind of finding our groove and then we came out and had a really good performance against Sturmey partway through the week and we kind of just felt like this build of confidence and it's like oh you know like that the little belief of maybe we can keep this going maybe we can can actually go through the whole event and um just like how we were rolling Coming back after a difficult loss like the one you experienced versus Tim Gunnlaugson in the A final at the pre-trials can be difficult to Tanner. How did you manage to get yourself back on track as a team after such a disappointment and in a headspace where you were able to come back and play so well in the B final to qualify for the Olympic trials? Yeah, we we just kind of, we all took a moment after the game, maybe a few few minutes longer than normal, and we all kind of just sat around and had our usual post-game debrief and the general consensus around the the team was you know like we played a hell of a game and uh, there's nothing to be really upset about at least when regards to our performance and um we took a few things that we wanted to improve on going into next game and we just um stuck with our process and there was no waiver of not believing that we could do it and we just said you know sometimes you lose a good game again or a close game against a good team and um, that just happens sometimes. And I thought we took a really, um, uh, mature approach to it and just said, Hey, we have another chance and, um, let's just go back out and, and win it this time. In that B final at the pre-trials at Tanner, you find yourself up against a living legend in Glenn Howard. How did you go about approaching that game, playing against a guy who has so much more experience in big games and big moments than you do? I think, I think I handled it and like, at least I know for, for myself, I handled it differently than I think I would have in the past. I think in the past when I knew I was in a big moment, like a junior final or something like that, I would kind of shut down and um, try and almost just let my body do its own thing and um, operate on muscle memory or routine. But I think what I did this time was I acknowledged that it was a big moment and kind of acknowledge that, hey, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to play um, a really, like all, an all-time great um, and the, their team has been so good all year. And uh, it was almost just like acknowledging that we're going to be in tough and um, if we could win, it'll just be all that sweeter. What is the mindset of your team heading into the trials in Saskatoon, Tanner? Is your team going there in the hope of playing well, obviously, while also gaining valuable experience and setting yourselves up for the next Olympic cycle? Or are you uh, heading there with the sole goal of actually not only competing in the trials, but winning and then going on to represent Canada at the Olympics in Beijing? I think it's it's kind of interesting. We weren't really thinking this far ahead at the start of the year, and 
um, I think it's appropriate to now um, sit down and reflect and, and, and adjust our goals. And uh, I mean, I, I don't really see any reason why you wouldn't go into an event and want to at least try and win it, <laughs> whatever event it may be. And um, perhaps it's maybe a bit more of a long shot than some of the people who have been there um, before and, and who are a little bit ranked higher than us. But um, I think if you don't go in with that winning attitude and wanting to win every game, then I think you're kind of, um, you're just asking to come up short of your goal anyway. So I think we're certainly going in, um, at least trying to win every game we can. Now, this cycle has been a bit of a roller coaster for you, and you've played with a few different lineups. Uh, is it fair to say that you found a pretty good rhythm with the current group of guys that you're playing with? Yeah, I think I think what's allowed us to do well and kind of fast track um, getting to know everyone and getting used to the, the different lineups is um, th- this team is full of five people, and I'm including my brother in that too because he's played a lot of events so far. Um, it includes five people who are very respectful of, of their teammates and we're really comfortable with having um, honest, honest uh, meetings and, and um, you know, everything that we say to one another, we understand that it's from the mindset of trying to help one another. And I think that's really fast track some things. We've had very honest conversations of who should be skipping, who should be playing what positions, who should be playing, the big events and everyone's come across really um, supportive and constructive and um, immature. And, and I think that's been um, really nice. It's been really nice to be a part of over the last uh, eight months. Tanner, anyone who saw you curl a couple of seasons ago will quickly notice the physical transformation you have undergone. What led to your decision to get more physically fit? Yeah, it was certainly a decision. I think um, it was kind of, uh, it was about, 12 months ago, actually, almost, almost exactly. And, um, I was just kind of sitting around doing nothing. There was no ice. There was no, nothing was open. There were no gyms. And, um, to be honest, I was kind of sitting around feeling sorry for myself. And, um, I noticed all my peers playing in, in events. I remember I was watching, um, Penticton at the time and I'm sitting around, I'm like, Hmm, all my peers are out getting better than me and, and playing and stuff like that, but there's still stuff that I need to be doing. And it was a very conscious decision of, you know, that's something I can be working on right now, even though I don't have ice. And um, so, yeah, it was a very conscious decision. I changed my uh, diet and I, I made a plan and, um, and yeah, it was just a really um, well thought out plan that I, that I did over a few months. What have been some of the big differences that you've noticed on the ice since you transformed your body and got into a better playing shape? Yeah, I think it's like the the one thing I noticed right away, which was um, honestly surprising, was when I lost some weight, um, I noticed that I was a lot stronger. And I think it's also from, from working out more as well. But um, I noticed I could throw the rock harder with a little more accuracy. And um, that has been a lot more consistent for me this year. And Um, the other thing I've noticed too, is recovery and, um, like recovery from practice and sleeping better. (laughs) Um, and I think that's played a, played a big role in those long events where you, you need to make sure you get good sleep and, and eat right and stuff like that. Experience is key at the trials and younger teams like yours typically surround themselves with an experienced fifth player and or an experienced coach before heading to the trials. Uh, I know your brother Jacob will be playing fifth for the team in Saskatoon. So I'm wondering if you'll be bringing along an experienced coach to help guide you along the way. 
Yeah, so we're bringing um, the same coach that we had at the pre-trial, Sean Turuff. And uh, let me tell you, he he did an amazing job at the pre-trials. He, he, that was the first time I got to work with Sean. Um, Sean went to the Briar with, with John, uh, Scott, and Wes, and um, they spoke very highly of him. And so... Uh, and I knew Sean already from from working kind of around him in the past. And I said, yeah, sure. Why not come to the pre-trials and we'll work on all this stuff together. And um, he just took his role really seriously. And um, he hasn't he hasn't been to uh, trials before, I don't believe. And but I think he he can coach with, with anyone there. He, he certainly uh, more than pulled his weight at the pre-trials. And finally, Tanner, it's going to be a family affair for you in Saskatoon. Not only will your brother uh, uh, Jacob be the fifth on your team, but your sister Tracy Fleury and her team are headed to Saskatoon on quite the roll with a clear chance of winning the women's trials. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think with Jake Fair, it's nice to have him um, around or even on the bench and stuff like that. He it kind of brings a sense of home for me and familiarity and. Um, but yeah, with Tracy, they, they're just playing so well this year and they, um, they're going to have a really good shot at going to the Olympics and that'll be exciting to be around. My next guest is Matt Dunstone, who will lead a Saskatchewan-based team into the trials as the unofficial home team in Saskatoon. Team Dunstone have reached the playoffs at the past two Briars and look to earn their breakthrough title in Saskatoon at the Canadian Olympic trials. Matt, the elite Canadian curling teams typically build their schedule in a way so that they can peak in time for provincials and or the Briar. The trials come much earlier in the season. How have you and your team approached this season in the hope of peaking much earlier than you typically do? Yeah, I think, and and it's not really just for this season, Frank. I think that's kind of been our our memo the last couple of years here is just completely eliminating the word peak from our vocabulary. Um, you, you just even look at a season this year for us. Um, we had to play in that play, play in event, um, in September to just get our trial spot. And we've had some grand slams to play. And, you know, if, if you just kind of, so like, I would, I would even argue we had to peak in September there for that play in event to get our spot too. So if, if you kind of look at your schedule and just say, oh, we got to peak for this and well, this event, we're okay to not peak in. I, to us, it just doesn't really sell a, a recipe for consistency. Um, so that's kind of one thing we've we've eliminated the last couple of years is just looking at events saying we got a peak for those. Um, and and this Olympic trials is no different. I mean it's it's no lie we've been we've been working our butts off for the last four years now to to be ready to go for this event uh, in a couple of weeks here. But uh, we we've kind of just eliminated um, that that from our vocabulary. And, and to us, it's just we're we're playing another event against teams we we play against all the time. Um, and it just kind of dumbs down the moment for us a little bit, um, allows us to, to truly realize what we are playing in, and that's just another event against teams we always play against. You just mentioned the Trials Direct Entry event that took place in September, Matha. How much pressure did your team feel going into that event to secure one of those trial spots and avoid the pre-trials, especially since it happens so early in the season at a time when teams like yours are usually only getting started in their regular curling season? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, um, at the end of September there, we didn't even have ice at our home rink in Regina yet. So we hadn't even stepped step foot on the ice to practice together as a team yet. Um, so it was definitely a little bit strange going into one of those events, um, not having a practice under our belt yet. Definitely wanted to, to take care of business in, in that one there. It kind of opened up our schedule really well um, for the rest of the season and in, in all of October and the beginning of November here. 
Um, that might have been the best part of, of getting our spot through that event is just how easy it made the rest of our schedule um, and how easy it was to, for us to plan um, how we wanted to plan and, and be ready for, for these trials. Um, so that was probably the best part um, of it all. It just cleared up another extra 10-ish days for us, um, and it was, it was easy to make everything time really nicely for the trials. Now, your team has played well at the last two briars, Matt, losing in the semifinal both times. As disappointing as those two losses may have been at the time, how much do you believe those otherwise positive experiences at the briar will serve you and the team well at the trials in Saskatoon? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is all it did was prove to us that we're ready to win um, at the highest of the Canadian level. Um, And that's kind of all this team needed was that belief, and, and that's exactly what those two events gave us is, is really we were a shot away in both those games from from being in the Briar final, winning the the pinnacle of the of the sport in Canada. So um, that's that's kind of all we needed was that belief, and and that's something we wholeheartedly believe heading into these trials. Is um, we bring our A game, we get we get some of the breaks along the way. There's no reason why we can't go out and win this thing. Speaking of previous experiences, Matt, uh, you were at the last trials throwing fourth rocks for Steve Laycock's team. What did you learn individually at that event that might serve you well at the trials? Um, you know, I, I think just it's, these events have a totally different vibe to them. Um, usually you're, you're buddy, buddy with guys out on the ice, you're playing against that sort of thing. Um, that's just not, not the case when you're at the trials. And I think that was, um, the biggest eye opener for me is just the feel of the event. Um, once you get there. Um, so I know full well what we're getting ourselves into this time around, um, and kind of what, what the vibe of the event is actually going to be like. Um, that, that was kind of my first big event too i'd i'd played in grand slams before um but i'd played in the trials before i'd ever played in a briar um or anything like that uh so that was kind of my first ever big uh men's curling canada event and and uh i think that's still the most nervous stone i've thrown in my career was was in the very first end we were playing cooey and uh we were just blank in the blank in the end um i was throwing the last rock for laycock at the time and and I just had an intern open hit, and I remember sitting in the hack, and <laughs> my hand was damn near shaking. Um, I, I was so nervous for the shot. Um, so luckily, uh, all that's out of the way um, this time around, and, and uh, you know, just have four more years of experience um, to build on from that exact moment. Um, so we're going to be beyond ready for, uh, for what's going to happen in a couple weeks. It's no secret that your team will be the quote-unquote home team at these trials in Saskatoon. Being the home team is terrific when things are going well, Matt, and the crowd can carry a team to great things. However, being the home team also comes with additional pressure. And sometimes when things start going sideways a little for a game or two, the home team can really feel that pressure getting intensified. I'm assuming your team has spoken about this in your preparation for the trials, and I'm wondering how you will approach being the home team and all the good and potentially bad things that go with it yeah we have discussed it a little bit and and you know on our end um we're there there's nothing to be scared of there um and i mean we got we got a guy in adam kingsbury who uh you know just happened to be the winner um at the ottawa trials with team Holman just four short years ago being the hometown team so um we, we got the right guy leading us here when it comes to playing in front of the hometown crowd um we we know the ups and the downs that come with it but for us it's it's simply about enjoying enjoying it you know uh, you get these opportunities once in a lifetime to play in front of the hometown province at an Olympic trials. So this, this could be the only time that the four of us or the five of us ever get to do this um, in front of the hometown crowd. So 
um, you know, all, all we can do um, is go out there and, and play for play as hard as we can for, for nine games or eight games, sorry, and hopefully beyond um, beyond eight games. Um, and, you know, if the, if the chips chips aren't don't fall where they're where we hope they do, uh, you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity for us to share um, this moment in front of our home home province and, and all of our family and friends that are going to be there cheering us on. You're still relatively early in your career, Matt, but you've already developed a reputation as someone who can make just about anything when you're feeling it and that you have a good read on the ice and rocks. How quickly into an event do you get a sense of being in such a groove? Yeah, it certainly doesn't come right away. Uh, not in my experiences anyways. Um, it's, it's, in my experiences, it's usually kind of been three, four games into an event. Um, that's kind of when we all sort of know, we, we kind of have that feeling. Um, ideally you'd like it to come in the first game and, you know, maybe one day it will. Um, but usually kind of three games in, that's kind of when I know, um, something special might, might happen at the end of the week. One of the things I keep hearing from players is that they plan on treating the trials like it's just another event, which is easier said than done, though, right? I remember the trials in Ottawa, and from the very first draw, it was very clear that this was just not another curling event. What has your team been doing to prepare for such an important event where the vibe is so different and when the intensity is so much higher than at just about any other curling event you'll ever go to? Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of a fine line. Like if, if I'm sitting here and denying that it's a trials and it's just like any other event and I'm um, going to do the exact same things that we've done for four years, yada, yada. Like I'd be either denying it or lying, you know, like there, there's no, <laughs> there's no lying that the, the trials is a completely different animal. So um, for me, for us, it's, there's no sense in denying that or, or going out of our way to deliberately do less. Um, just because it's the trials and, and on the flip side, you, you don't want to go and do way more. If you're, if you're doing things that you don't normally do at an event, you're, you're instantly making the event bigger than, bigger than it needs to be. So, you know, there's, there's a pretty fine line here, um, when it comes to that. Um, but I, I think our team's in a really good spot. Um, and, and the bubble I think was a big proving point, uh, for us, uh, to have this sort of mindset coming in and coming into the trials. And finally, Matt, earlier you mentioned that Adam Kingsbury has been with your team as a coach for a few seasons now. You and I have spoken about Adam in previous interviews, but for any new listeners out there trying to learn about the teams that will be at the trials, what can you tell us about Adam Kingsbury and what he's brought to your team? Well, uh, he, he, makes sure, he makes sure we're rigged up well with video games. Uh, I'm not sure if you know or not, but we've been doing a lot of F1 racing lately. Um, the last couple months so he's he's got the big rig with the steering wheel in the game so we've uh, he's been uh, keeping us busy with that <laughs> um during the event but uh you know a lot of the curling world knows adam and, and who he is as a person and what he brings to the table um the kind of the pre-game post-game meetings um that's that's where he really excels that's where uh we believe we're world leading um because of him um and you know he he shined a light on perspective and I, I think that's the biggest thing this team has learned um over the last couple of years is perspective and and uh you know not only in curling but in life um you know in, in the last four years he's done nothing but make us all not only better curlers but uh truly better people and uh we we sure enough don't uh give him give him the credit uh he deserves we like to give him a hard time all the time but uh you know he's he's just he just has a knack for, for always bringing out the best in people.
My final guest in part one of the From the Hack Trials preview is 2006 Olympic gold medalist Brad Gushu, whose team has won three of the last five briars. Gushu and teammate Mark Nichols are looking to earn a second Olympic berth, while teammates Jeff Walker and Brent Gallant are striving to become Olympians for the first time. Brad, your team is headed to the trials fresh off a victory at the most recent Grand Slam event. Does winning a title like that give an experienced or a veteran team like yours an extra boost of confidence heading into the most important event of the quadrennial? Uh, to be quite honest, I don't know if it gives us that much more confidence. I, I think, uh, you know, having been through this before and, and leading into the 05 trials, we, we were playing very poorly and, and ended up playing very well at the trials. And, and then on the flip side, in uh, 2017, we were playing really, really well and still played really well at the trials. Now we, we didn't win, but, uh, but we played well. So I don't know if the events leading into it have any real indication. I, I think from our perspective, you know, the last game that we played was a really solid game, and, and we did a lot of things really well. So I think that game more so than the full event gives us a bit of confidence, just the fact that we, you know, we did a lot of things right. And, you know, we, uh, we put more into that, I think, than the whole event. One thing I keep hearing from players is that the trials go by really quickly and it's really easy for the event to get away from you if you lose a couple of games in a row. So teams really try to find their groove as early as they can. How quickly do you as a veteran skip start getting a sense of whether your team is starting to click at an event like this or if the week might be more of a grind for you? Yeah, I, I think you probably have that figured out after three or four games. And, and I look back at the you know, the two experiences that I just mentioned for us, I knew pretty early on that we were going to be there at the end of the week, and it, and that's the first step. And the first step, you know, you get to the end of the week, and then the next one is, you know, you you, you got to get through the playoffs or you got to get a couple breaks, and, and you know, that happened for us in 05. And in, in, in 2017, we, we came up against, a, you know, a super hot Mike McEwen, and... You know, you need those breaks. You need to avoid those hot skips on the other team. And, and there's a lot of things that have to go right because the, the top teams at this event are are still equal. And, um, you know, there's there's not much, even even right from 1 to 8 or 1 to 9, you know, they're pretty equal. So you, uh, you're going to need a couple breaks, a couple things to go your way and, and have the timing be correct. You know, you, you want to play a team when they play – have an off game as opposed to playing the team when they're when they're on fire. So a lot of that just comes down to timing. Brad, you have the reputation of being a skip that comes into major events such as the trials very prepared, leaving very little to chance among the things you can control. That said, how difficult is it for you then at an event as important as the trials where the teams are so evenly matched that regardless of how well prepared you are, a bad stone, a pick, or perhaps a very hot skip on the other team can end your Olympic dreams even if you're playing well? Yeah, I, you know what, I, I think that's really just come down to... Uh you know, acceptance, and, and you have to accept that that's, that's the possibility. As, as much as you train, as much as you prepare, you know, some, some things are out of your hands, and, and uh, you do everything you can, and, and hopefully things work out. Uh, but if they don't, you know what, you, you have to be comfortable at the end of the trials to, to look at your teammates and, and say to each other, you know what, we did everything we could. It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't our week. And, uh, you know, in, in 05, we, I think we had probably five or six shots that I think 
any of those shots turn the other way, uh, you know, we don't win. And that's kind of teetering on the edge because these weren't just easy shots. These were, you know, shots that you probably miss as many as you make. So for us to, to make all of those, you know, it's pretty pretty incredible. And, and you almost look back and say, you know what, it was meant to be. And then on the flip side in 17, it was, you know, we played so well in 17 and, and uh, you know, we didn't come away with the win, but we had a, you know, a pretty pretty devastating pick in one of our games that, that cost us a loss, that ultimately cost us the buy of the final. So, um, yeah, it, it, it could change, but you just have to, you have to accept it. And I think the more you play, the more mature you are. I think the better you handle those situations and you, and you handle the outcomes and you kind of move on, whether it's, a loss at the trials or whether it's, you know, losing out of the trials. You've mentioned the 2005 trials on a few occasions now. How has your perception of that gold medal victory in Torino at the 2006 Olympics changed, if at all, as you've gotten older and progressed in your curling career? Um, you know what? It, it, it hasn't changed at all. I, I think it, it means as much to me today as it did back then. Um, you know, certainly I think the whole experience of what we went through in 2005, 2006, I think would be different this time around, just with being mature and more mature and having, you know, Mark and I and Jeff, we all have kids now, and, and certainly mine are, are older and at the point where they would understand what their dad is, is kind of going through. So I think, you know, we, we'd love to have that experience again to, to share with them. But as far as the meaning of it, I, you know, you're still an Olympian, you're still an Olympic champion, and, and that's never going to change, you know, from from the day, from today right till the day I die, like I'm, we're always going to be considered Olympic champions and Olympians, which is pretty special and it puts you in a pretty select group of companies. Brad, you and I have discussed in past interviews how you're now closer to the end of your competitive curling career than you are to its beginning. As a result, I'm wondering if you're feeling an extra sense of urgency this time around, especially after the strong quad your team has had, or is your legacy secure enough at this point that going to another Olympics would be amazing, but it's not something you feel you need to accomplish from a legacy perspective? Yeah, I I think you you hit the nail on the head. Like, for me, it's... At the end of the day, like if, if I was looking at this from a legacy standpoint, which I'm, I, I don't and, and I'm not, um, it's not going to change anything. Uh, I'm looking at it from a much more selfish standpoint uh, in that I'd love to have the experience again, not only for myself, but for my family. And, and uh, you know, I, I think I'm at the age now where I'd enjoy that whole Olympic experience a whole lot more than what I did when I was 25. And I'd love to be able to share that with, with my family as well. So, you know, that's what kind of motivates me. It, it's not to, to pad the resume or, or to prove to anybody that, you know, we, we need this because, as you said, we really don't. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to look at my career and, and look at what we've done as a team any differently if, if we don't win in Saskatoon, which, you know, it's, it's a nice spot to be in because there's, there's not many teams that can say that. Um, you know, and, and when you have that level of pressure and that urgency, uh, you know, there's some teams that can handle that really well, but most uh, struggle with that. And I know that because I was one of those teams when, you know, you look at the Briar in, in 2017, you know, I, we needed that to, we needed that on our resume because, uh, you know, people were saying we were the best team to have never won a Briar and things like that. So once you get it, you know, it takes a load of pressure off, and it makes it easier to win again. And, and I think 
the same can be said about us winning the trials. I think it's, it's going to be easier this time around. And uh, for myself and Mark, obviously Brett and Jeff haven't done it before, and that's another reason I think both Mark and I would love to uh, love to get one so they can experience it. Now, we often hear how the Briar is a different animal than any other event teams participate in during the curling season. The spotlight is brighter and the pressure is amplified. Having been at ice level during the trials in Ottawa in 2017, I noticed firsthand how much more tension there was in the building than there is at a Briar. Can you perhaps put into words just how much more intense the trials are than even the Briar? Yeah, I, I think the best way to compare it is the round robin games at the Olympic trials are like playoff games at the Briar. Um, the intensity goes up because there's no weak games at the trials. You, you don't have a, you know, at the Briar, you can usually get a, you know, a couple games where if you don't play your best, you're, you're still probably going to come through with the win. Uh, you don't have that luxury at a trial. And, and it's a shorter round robin as well. So as you alluded to earlier, you get a couple losses and it makes it really difficult to get yourself in the playoffs. So there's just no room for error and, and you have to make sure that you know, in a nine-team nine round robin, you, you, you want to be six and two, I think. Um, you know, five and three might get you a tiebreaker, but, you know, you want to be six and two. So you're essentially playing a, you know, a double double knockout uh, against nine of the best, probably 15 teams in the world. And uh, that's a pretty, pretty daunting task. So I think that's why the intensity goes up so much. And obviously with what's at stake. Um, you know, there's, there's really no second prize in this. You know, second prize, you, you, you go home with absolutely zero. And uh, first prize, you go home with a, a life-changing experience. So it's you're playing for a lot. As you mentioned, Brad, the feel at the Olympic trials is very deep. And at that level, each team can make all the shots. Is it fair to say that the biggest difference at an event like the trials might come on the mental side of the game? And if so, could you put a number on what the percentage is... Uh, of the success at the trials that can be attributed to a team's mental strength as opposed to their on-ice and shot-making abilities? Yeah, no, it, it is very high mental. Um, you know, there's still a, a, a big physical component, and and there's also a big luck component. I, I, I think you want to be careful not to overlook that, that side of it because the teams are pretty darn close, and it, it really comes down to who gets hot. And, and if they get hot because they're mentally strong, then you have to wonder, well, why aren't they hot all the time? So it's, it's kind of, there's a little bit of luck, a little bit of timing uh, that's involved in it. You know, I, I, I shy away from if someone has a poor performance to say that, you know, they struggled with it mentally. It could just be, you know, uh, an off week. Um, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put it 50-50, but, you know, it does play does play a big factor for sure uh, you know maybe if you want a number maybe 25 or 30 percent one of the keys at an important event like the trials, especially one when there are fewer round-robin games than you would have at a briar, is to get a good read on the ice and to match your rocks as early as possible during the week. How comforting is it to, to have one of the best rock gurus in the world, Angels Oucher, on your bench at an event like the trials? Yeah, it's, it's, it's big. Um, I think the problem with Jules is Jules is such a nice guy that he, he shared a lot of his knowledge with, uh, with a lot of the other coaches. So... Um, you know, all of the other teams are going to have very similar information that that, that we have. Um, they're probably not going to have the depth and, and the 
you know, be able to implement that knowledge as, as well as, as Jules and, and our team does. Um, but the biggest factor for us with Jules is, you know, he's, a, he's an extremely cool cucumber, and when we get to the, uh, to the end of the week and, and things ratchet up even more, Jules doesn't change. And when you have someone on your team that uh, has that level of coolness and calmness, you know, it does feed through the team, and, and that's what we love about them. They're, we have not been in a moment where Jules has been overwhelmed, and he's certainly, from a coach or a fit, fit man, you, you want to make sure that that's a trait that they have because, you know, if you bring someone into your team that, you know, is a bag of nerves, that's going to filter through the team, and uh, that's why Jules has been so successful and, and made Kevin successful, made our team successful is because uh, – you know, he is so cool. And I have a couple of behind-the-scenes questions uh, before I let you go, Brad. Uh, first, uh, who will be joining your team as your fifth for the trials? No, uh, we're, we're taking Jeff Thomas. So okay. Jeff is, uh, you know, as much of a coach uh, as what Jules is on our team. Um, he really isn't playing, the, you know, the necessarily fifth-man role. Uh, it is going to be more of two coaches for us. Jeff works with us quite closely on our technical ability like what we're how we're throwing it and uh practices with us on a daily basis here in St. John. So if, if one of our deliveries happened to go a little out of sync, Jeff's there to, to help us out and uh, get us back on track in a in a timely fashion and then, you know, help us out with some of the logistical stuff that, you know, a coach or fifth man does and, and allow Jules to, you know, focus on the rocks and, and figure out that side of it. So um that's the, the way we're going. If, if we're fortunate enough to win, then, you know, we would have to look at, you know, another another fifth man. But, uh, you know, this, this system that we have right now worked for us at the Briar in 2020, so we figured uh, why, why, why change from that. And finally, Brad, teams have different approaches for events like the trials, even when it comes to accommodations. Some teams stay in hotels while others have taken to renting houses or Airbnbs. What's the preferred accommodations for Team Gushu? We, we're always a hotel team. We want someone making our bed and, and cooking our food. So <laughs> we we don't want to be doing any of that stuff when we're competing. So, yeah, we, we don't do the Airbnb. We've tried it, uh, but we certainly enjoy the hotel side. It's just one less thing to have to worry about, you know, coming back and, and cooking your food. And especially nowadays with, uh, with some of these order-in uh, delivery services, you know, you could always just get on an app and, and order whatever you want. So it's, it is super convenient. Um, gives us our own little space, too. So we'll each have our own room at the uh, at the trials. And, uh, yeah, we've uh, that's the way we always roll. I know there's, as you said, each team does it differently, but it's worked for us in the past. And that does it for part one of the From the Hack Canadian Olympic Trials preview. Join us tomorrow for part two with guests Mike McCune, Jason Gunlickson, Mark Kennedy, and Kevin Cooey. I'm Frank Rock, and you're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership.